and welcome to the Money Magic Podcast with Vangile Makwakwa. This is the podcast where we talk about trauma and how it affects our finances and our lives. I help women of color unlock ancestral wisdom so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income and live their best lives. This podcast was birthed when I started having conversations with private clients and students in my online courses about the remarkable shifts they'd had in their finances and started receiving feedback and updates from people on how these conversations were helping them understand their family dynamics and financial behavior. I've seen how unlocking ancestral wisdom has helped me pay off $60,000 in debt, buy property, launch and grow my company Wealthy Money into a six-figure business in US dollars as I travel and live in various countries on the globe. I've lived in over eight countries and traveled to many more as I built this company. My intention with this podcast is to provide you with weekly episodes that help you understand the importance of healing and help you understand your relationship with money better so you can start making different financial decisions and creating a life you love for yourself and future generations. So without further ado, let's get started and dive into this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Money Magic Podcast. Today I have an exciting guest with me, Sharika. We're in Mexico and we met very randomly at a store called Shadrawi. <laughs> and she and I are going to be talking about all things related to what she does, which is she is a womb healer. She does a lot of stuff for her. She's a doula and she is she has an incredible story where she did 21 days in the wild. Right? If you've just uh, if you've just joined, my name is Vangina Makakwa. I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and they uh, and live their best lives. Wow. That was tripping me up a lot, but welcome, Shanika. Thank you. Okay, so yeah, we're going to have to keep facing the camera mm-hmm. once in a while, but please tell me and our audience, who are you? What do you do? How do you define yourself as a soul? <laughs> well, I am Shanika Alicia Malcolm. I'm a mother. I'm a sister. I'm a friend to many people. Um, I'm a passionate person and I have many interests, but it all, it all surrounds with living in an empowered life, an mm-hmm. authentic life, a real mm-hmm. life, one that you can be or I can be happy with. Yes. And that goes for, you know, my own relationship with myself, my relationship with my children, yeah. the people that I interface and work with, and just the whole planet. Yeah. I want to inspire people to live authentically, mm-hmm. and that begins with myself. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. 
So, Janika, I've told everyone about you <laughs> on Instagram, on Facebook, everywhere. And I think the first thing before we even get into the womb stuff and anything else is I think everyone I've told about your story is much more fascinated about the fact that you did um, 21 days on a TV show um, naked in the wild or naked in the fray, you know, right? Yeah. And you spent 21 days in a jungle in Mexico. In Mexico, yeah. Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yes, I know you're asking. You're wondering. I was butt naked. No underwear, no bra, nothing. Like, ass naked. <laughs> Guys, I saw the video and I was just like, Wow, what, what, what's happening? Like that's, that's so surreal. That's literally the first question I asked her. I was like, you were naked in front of cameras? <laughs> yeah, and complete strangers. And like complete videoing strangers. all day long. And, you know, I can tell you how I got into that. So. Yeah, tell us. Yeah. How did you get into that? And how were you not shy? Because I saw you on the video and you're just like, you were like to the guy, turn around, let me check you out. The guy that they partnered you up with. I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> Seriously. Well, I was born in Jamaica, but I grew up in Philadelphia. And yeah. I've, I've also always had a love for nature. Mm -hmm. So no matter where I was in any city, I would always find, you know, going to the wild, go hiking, mm -hmm. find a river, get naked and jump in. So that's a ritual of mine to be in like in nature and it's just a feeling that you don't get in being in four walls you feel yeah. alive you feel connected to your soul and nature which is just a reflection of your pure essence so years ago i that's how i raised my children we live in the city we're going out in nature all the time and you also taught them to just like feel free to be free in yeah nature. yeah guys Shanika's children are incredible. Actually, her daughter is in the next room, but I mean, gorgeous, gorgeous children. This is not even me like just hyping it up. Her babies are gorgeous, smart, so like, what I love about them is they're just so comfortable around adults and just talking, saying their piece, so beautiful. And I that's them. how I raised them to be. Yeah. Because, you know, growing up with myself, I know, and now that I'm older and I can reflect back and I can see different gaps that I didn't get or different, you know, nourishment that I didn't get, mm -hmm. I want to be able to give it to them. So being a mother of three black girls, I want them to be empowered and to take up space and to use their voice and not just oh. sit and take any kind of abuse from anybody, yeah. including family. So I've always raised them from a young age to speak up. Yeah, and guys, so her eldest daughter is 13 and they are now living in Mexico. They've lived in the US, they've lived in Mexico, talking to her middle daughter and she's like, oh, I prefer Mexico. Like these kids are getting an education that you don't get anywhere else. They're yeah. learning how to, like they're able to talk about the difference between their gymnastics teachers in the US and in Mexico, how their gymnastics teacher speaks only Spanish here in Mexico, which is normal, by the way. Right, we are in Mexico, so almost everyone around us speaks Spanish. 
So it's just really, really beautiful to see. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I want to go back to the wilderness. Yes. <laughs> so about in 2017, I started to attend um, Earth Skills Gatherings and Primitive Skills Gatherings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was in Philadelphia at the time and I drew, drove with my girls 12 hours to North Carolina to attend these gatherings. And I was primarily the only woman of color or the only few. I can count on my hand how many people of color I've seen and a lot of times I was the only one. Of so course. Yeah. I, I believe you. Yeah. And in the things that I'm into, you know, permaculture, yeah. natural birthing before it was even popular, yeah. and all the things that I was into, going and seeking that information, I was always the only person of color. Yeah. So in the natural you know, the primitive skills, outdoorsy world, there is not a lot of representation for people of color, especially women of color. Mm -hmm. So when I got into that space and learning all these things that I love, I knew that I wanted to create a window or a path for other people of color to feel confident Mm -hmm. and safe to actually reconnect with their wild selves. Wow. Did it ever feel awkward for you? Because I think maybe people are like here and they're interested, especially just like going nude in nature, but you're the only person of color. Did it ever feel like all eyes are on me or it feels awkward or I'm othered in this group? Well, I would say um, being the only person of color in spaces, Mm -hmm. it took a lot of self-awareness and work to even feel confident to go into those places and take up space. Mm -hmm. So I work through those issues and when I show up, I know who I am as a black woman, Mm -hmm. the mother of creation, that (laughs) they're all my children. So why should I go into these spaces and shrink? So when you know your power and who you are, you can show up as that and people will feel it. Yeah. You know, so that's my advice. Go into space, go wherever you feel you need to go and be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Love, love this advice. <laughs> love this advice. Um, I think that it's really, really powerful because I know what it's like to often be in spaces where I'm the only person of color. You know, especially through my travels, I find myself in those spaces. It's gotten better because I've started to consciously travel to places with people of color, so brown people. So, and I found that to be very, very friendly often. So even if I'm black, I'll sometimes be just like the only black person there, but like everyone else is brown. And there's a dynamic that happens there that is just not, that is different when it's like white people in the space. Cause it's like, sometimes I'll even forget that I'm like, the only black person there because <laughs> yeah. like it's just a different dynamic so I understand like I would it would definitely be a little uncomfortable for many people of color and I say black and brown people to go into such spaces and then you add the fact that like people are just going it's like naturalists right people are like completely nude and they chilled it adds another layer to the space versus like we're fully clothed and we're there. Mm-hmm. So that must, I agree with you, you need to know who you are and you need to be strong in that knowledge, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So that is really, really interesting. Yeah. Okay, so 
you start doing these um, natural, you start going to these uh, survival skills uh, events, you start discovering that you love nature, that you love being, uh, being out in nature, and then how did you end up on this show? Like, I mean, okay, let's get real. Going from, I love doing this to a group of people to, I'm gonna be naked in front of the world. The world, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, I never imagined that I'd be on the show and be naked <laughs> to the world. Um, but in doing all my things and the travels, I've always posted to inspire other people to get out into nature. So that's how I was discovered. You know, the wow. TV show, they have scouts and, you know, people that find talent. So they found me online and reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to audition. So I, I auditioned and they loved my presence and they were like, yeah, you made it. So that's what happened. <laughs> I mean, what did you think when like, you were called to audition? Well, I was like, well, you're not scared. I mean, it's it's a jump. So mm -hmm. on this show, we talk about vows of invisibility on the podcast. A vow of invisibility is exactly what it is. A vow to keep yourself invisible and small. And you were like, here, like, I'm not just <laughs> visible here. <laughs> like, you guys can see everything and there's nothing secret. So. Yeah. What did that feel? Did you were you scared? I wasn't scared, you know. Prior to going on, like uh, I, for years I've been doing the work for working on myself and healing. Mm -hmm. And as you see, I'm not a size two, so I've had to develop confidence within myself, you know, as being a bigger black woman and working with my mindset before even going out there and being on camera and being nude in front of total strangers, mm. 10, 15 mm. people that I don't know. Mm. But so I mean, I, you're gorgeous. Thank you. Right? You're stunning. <laughs> so um, can you just, because I would like, when you said that, I felt it because I feel like there's so many black women that are probably holding themselves back. Forget even black women for this. Just women, women in general, yeah. right? Like, I think on a global scale, women are constantly asked to basically make themselves smaller, make themselves thinner, so let alone just feeling comfortable. Because we could all see you were very comfortable on camera. It wasn't, you weren't shy, you weren't, you know, there was, you were just authentic. And I think that there's also the flip side of maybe you're not shy, but you go too extra, right? And you didn't do any of that. You were just you. Mm -hmm. So how do you get to that level of confidence within yourself, which I think we all desire? Yes, we do. Well, for me, I realized that it comes down to self-love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. And being able to tune, well, first, going back to like your core beliefs mm -hmm. about yourself and the world and what yeah. it means to be a woman and how you show up yeah a lot of our core beliefs come from childhood mm -hmm. from our own mother yeah our own family yeah. and the men in the family that relate to women in a certain way and say a woman has to be this or that or that yeah, yeah. so looking really looking at your core beliefs how you feel about yourself yeah. and where it came from Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the beliefs that we have about ourselves and how we should show up in the world 
they're not our own. Mm. It comes from a very traumatic and a wounded and unnatural society. Mm. That's mm. what it comes down to. So you have to have the self-awareness and be able to look at hard truths yes. and sometimes hard untruths. Hard untruths. Hard untruths. I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. So when you looked at those hard untruths, what are some of the things that you then did? to unpack that and to just feel confident in that. By the way, I really feel like there's a lot of women listening to this. So guys, uh, one of the things, I'm just gonna plug if you don't mind for you. <laughs> one of the things Shanika does is she works with women around the womb. And as you all know, womb work involves this kind of work, feeling comfortable in your body, feeling confident, being seen as you in your body. So, so powerful, right? Yeah. But do you mind sharing uh, some, like maybe an exercise or two that you did to help you heal some of these beliefs? Well, for one, one thing that I love doing is being nude at home. I sleep, oh. I sleep nude and I do that so my girls can feel comfortable with the woman body. The female body. Wow, so you walk around nude. Yeah, yeah. So when they see me confident in my own body, no matter what shape I'm in or what I look like, mm -hmm. and they see me, they're like, okay, that's normal. Yeah. You know, so one thing is being Because how many women have taught their children that like, ooh, get on a scale, measure your body, like, weigh yourself, and that's what you're teaching your children. Like, yeah. that, and ooh, Look at how my body looks like. Look at how I'm bulging here. Look at this. Yeah. So when we put value, when we learn this from society, we put value on ourselves mm -hmm. by how productive we are, um, what we look like, mm -hmm. and what other people think of us. Yeah. But forget about all of that. How do you feel in your body and what do you think mm -hmm. of yourself? Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. Because that inner environment will then reflect around you mm -hmm. and how you interact with people. Yeah. So I would say start looking at your core beliefs about what do you think about your body mm -hmm. and women's bodies in general. Mm -hmm. What do you think is attractive and what do you think is not attractive? Yeah. And how do you fit into that? Yeah. And then start unpacking that. Yeah. Start like saying, okay, where did this come from? It's not real, it's false. Yes. That comes from, or you know, women need to have straight, kept hair. Mm. You know, we have a lot of Eurocentric yes. Yes. standards yes. in beauty, in and life. You know, the interesting thing about that as well, Shanika, is that we have Eurocentric standards, and those Eurocentric standards also oppress European women. Yeah. 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 Like it. The standards are so narrow. They don't even define European, European women. And then you know? when, when you really look at it, <laughs> it's funny. There's this European standard, but if it, and really in the back end of it, mm -hmm. a lot of people try to look like us. Exactly. When you think about Botox, the breast, the bun yes. surgery. So yes. there's this really juxtaposition mm. where they tell you don't don't look like your natural self yeah. don't emulate that don't love that exactly. but then other people pay thousands of dollars exactly. to have full sexy lips <laughs> to uh go to spray tanning or whatever exactly. to get nice human uh, melanated skin yeah 
So when you realize that you are the standard as one as a black woman, yeah, then you start to shift. Exactly. So I would say really looking at like your own history that is empowering, that is outside of like the colonial story. Yep. Looking yep. at black women who are empowered, who are beautiful and who are living mm -hmm. empowered lives and let that be your inspiration. Ooh. And, mm -hmm. and even still, let it be your inspiration, but have your own standards. Because mm. someone else might value having a big car and a, a luxurious house, but that might not be what makes you happy. Amen. So at the end of the day, you have to get in touch with you mm -hmm. and what brings you happiness and joy outside of anybody else's standards and you know what is normal in society. Yeah. And not being afraid to go after that and live it. Wow. Wow. And, and that applies to every area from birth, you know, to relationships, all of it, to school. Yes. Because we do so many things to please other people. Yeah. You know, even in the birthing world, a lot of us are afraid to have a natural birth because we're afraid of what our mother might think or even what, what our doctors might say. Yeah, what they might say. You know? So I absolutely get that and we're going to get to the birthing story because like I'm obsessed with womb stuff but I just want to wrap up this part so then you auditioned, you yes, got into I got the show yeah. um, and then you got to the Chiapas jungle which is what we see of you in the show. Now the interesting thing about this is they start off the show guys, episode one, telling you that no one has ever survived 21 days yes. in the history of the show in Chiapas, in Mexico, in the jungle. Yeah. I was like, wow. But obviously, I just met Shanika and I didn't even know this show existed, so I knew she had survived it. But just walk us through, like, what was that experience like? I mean, it, it you was, terrified? I wasn't terrified, but it was like, I couldn't believe I was there. So, you know, I, I'm from Kingston, Jamaica, the heart yeah. of the ghetto. And for me to like be flew out to Mexico and then be in front of these cameras knowing that this would be worldwide to millions of viewers, it really it really struck something in my heart because it really made me realize that no matter what you are or who you are, where you come from. Yeah. You can still do amazing things, no matter what limitations yeah. that you perceive on your life. And that's what my life has taught me. Yeah. You can do anything, you just have to believe in yourself. So yeah. being on those cameras and being in front of these people, it just made me like come alive even more. Because I knew what my position was as a woman of color mm -hmm. and the possibility of being the first person to survive in that environment. And then also being the first woman of color in the history of the show to survive the 21 days. So that in my mind, I thought about the inspiration that it would bring to other women, especially women and girls of color. Yeah. And that kept me going and focused, no matter how harsh the conditions were to finish my 21 days. Whew. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is different, I think, for when we're dealing with women of color there's often that that like you know uh it's not just me that i'm doing this wrong there's so much more at stake so the mission is bigger yeah you know? yeah um i think that we can all relate to that 
But what are some of the things, I mean, so guys, the thing that I want us to get to, like I want you to tell them, what are you given to survive in the wild? You're dropped in the wild for 21 days. What do you have to survive? You've got no food, no water, you're naked, you have no clothing, you have no shelter. So they drop us in and we had a machete, um, a fire starter, and a mosquito net. That was it. So that was it, and no clothes. Then we, you know, walk in the environment, find where we want to set up camp, and then we have to see what's in the natural environment and build a shelter, find food, find water, and basically live. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and it sounds very simple. You know, food, shelter, water, but it's the hardest thing. It's <laughs> hard. I don't think it sounds simple for I think I can't build a shelter. Because you need to build that shelter in one day, the first day. Right? Yeah, optimally, when you go into a survival situation or in nature, you have to build a, sh like a shelter is number one. Number one, one to protect you from the elements and to keep you semi-safe. Yeah. So that's the first thing. You're like, shelter. So how did you guys build a shelter? Y'all had nothing. Well, when we got in there, we seen bamboo. Yeah. So bamboo is great for building. So that oh. was the first thing we were like, okay, we have this bamboo. Let's work with that. And we had our machete. So we just started hacking away, splitting the bamboo, coming up, and uh, making a lean-to A-frame shelter. Wow. And then the next thing was fire. Fire. And fire was a challenge because we're in the forest during rainy season. So everything was wet. It was like sabotage from the beginning. <laughs> everything was wet. Jeez. Everything. Everything. So that really was a challenge and it took us a while to get a fire and keep it going. Wow. Wow. And did you guys keep it going the full 21 days? So... Because people left you, like you were... Like, yeah, because I'm here thinking, I wanted to spoil it for anyone that didn't watch it, but yeah. what got me through it was the fire, keeping the fire going, because uh -huh. at night, the temperatures would drop, yeah. and everything is wet, so there's a chance of hypothermia, so the fire is what kept me going. To keep it going, that kept me going. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Shanika, I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Guys, like, this is real for me. Like, I'm just like trying to imagine, like, okay, I'm definitely not able. Like, I just disqualify myself before I eat. Let's work on it. We can work on that. Okay? <laughs> when I hear the cold, the elements, wet, I hate things that are wet, by the way. Like, I just, those would be just my, that would be my breaking point. <laughs> and but, the bugs. The bugs. Oh my gosh. Wow. I, I walked out of there with mosquito bites all over my body. I had mosquito bites on my mosquito bites. <gasps> That's how bad it was. You can, can you ask for bug spray? Like in one no, of the things no, that you no, can No, 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 So no. there's certain things you can You can ask only for. bring like primitive items. So you can't bring like bug spray or a lighter. Oh my gosh. Or like a water filter. Like nothing new aging. Everything is primitive. Yeah, so bug spray would not qualify for that. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah, and in that environment, it was very challenging. It was very challenging. Yeah. But so you did say something to me when we were talking. You said the thing, that thing that kept you going was you spoke to the ancestors. Oh yeah. And you asked yeah. for guidance. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Because I mean, we talk a lot about ancestral work and ancestral healing on here. So walk us through that. What was that like? And you do this naturally. So how and why, how did you start this? And what, what did you see when you did that during the show? So, you know, I always have an ancestor altar at home. So just being, you know, into spirituality and being wanting to be in touch with who I am and my ancestry, mm -hmm. I learned about, you know, having an ancestor altar and keep that going yeah. and talking to your ancestors. So funny, like, <laughs> and I learned about ancestor money. You learned about ancestor yes. money? Yes, this was a few years ago. And I put my, you know, I had my altar going, but yeah. I was like, ancestor money, I'm gonna get some. The first time I lit ancestor money, I have the never next heard day, of ancestor yeah. money, by the way, please tell yes. me about ancestor money. Because yeah. we give uh, to the, uh, like, I guess, Msamo, which I guess you guys would say is an altar, and we give, you can give money, silver coins and all that. Or you, you can leave your money there overnight mm -hmm. and thank the ancestors and all that. Now what is ancestor money? So ancestor money are these paper notes and you burn them in a way of offering like currency to your ancestors. So you can buy them, you know, I've bought them, um, different people make them. Yeah, it's a thing. So the first time I burned ancestor money, the very next day, money came to me out of nowhere. And it was like, yo, this thing is real. <laughs> and I've been burning it ever since. <laughs> but And look at you, you're now on TV shows yeah, and everything. Yeah. yeah, guys, I met Shanika and she was like, yeah, I'm all about the ancestors. I, when I was on the show, I was talking to ancestors. I was asking for ancestral guidance. I was like, whoa. Yeah. When I went out there, even before I went out there, I have the mindset that I'm not here to conquer or colonize nature. Yeah. I am here to like harmonize with it. Mm. And knowing that the spiritual proceeds and creates the physical, mm. that's what I focused on. I focused on, um, you know, you have something called um, land acknowledgement. So anytime you, yep, go, you go somewhere, share with those that you, don't know. Yeah. So land acknowledgement is having awareness that before you came to a certain land, there were like ancestors or people that have been cultivating that land long before it was colonized mm -hmm. and called whatever name it's called now. Yeah. So to know what people inhabited the land what the land was called by them mm -hmm. and acknowledging, you know, like saying like, I'm here, mm -hmm. you know, I honor your heritage and your history. Mm -hmm. And you kind of like, in a way, pour libations and ask to be like received by this land. Yeah. So when I went out there, that was in my mind and I said prayers to the ancestors of the land to yeah. receive me and to know what my intentions are, yeah. to welcome me. Cause I'm not here to, you know, start nothing. I'm yeah. here to be at peace and to honor this place in nature. So with that being my intention, it just shifted everything because I put that, I said it, and I put that out into the universe. Yeah. So I believe like 
you know, the power of prayer and words and your intentions. Yeah. So with that, I try to remain very intentional and mm -hmm. to also speak life. To speak life. Speak life. Yeah. 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 So I went out there, prior to going out there, I just did a lot of, um, they call it ebos, yeah. where you sit with your ancestors and you talk to them. Yeah. Let them know your intentions and, yeah. you know, just talk to spirit and let them know, like, listen, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. Y'all always show up for me. I need y'all now more yeah. than ever. So I'm going to do something in, very hard. Show up. Yeah. So in South Africa, we call that Ubupasha, right? So yeah, guys, you heard us. She went, she passed, she spoke to the land, she called Abadala, the old people, to come through and do the work. That's yeah. amazing. And you yeah. did you feel the support oh, throughout? I felt it. Every day I would go and sit at the river yeah. and I would meditate and I would pray. The first time I went to the river, this song came to me. Like I called to my ancestors and I said, please guide me be here with me you know this is hard please and i heard you're never alone you're not alone we're your ancestors you're never alone so i kept that going within me anytime things felt really challenging i said come on and i and i would say that in my head you're never alone your ancestors are here you're never alone so that little things like that kept me going yeah so I, I encourage you to have different practices in your life mm -hmm. to be like a touching stone. Yeah. You know, don't start your practice when things are already hard. Ooh. So a lot of people will pray mm. when things get hard. Yeah. But why don't you pray and have gratitude and create that connection and relationship in the good times? Yeah. And when the hard times come, yeah. you kind of get through it even, you know, in a way better. Yeah. It's like, I always feel like one, recently what my ancestors and my guides have been saying that make sure that when the hard times come, they find you already elevated in spirit, mm. you know, so that when it's, when the hardship is coming, you are already elevated in spirit so that it's not coming and it's knocking you down. It's coming and you're already firm within your yeah. spirit and you're solid. So I completely get you. I completely agree with that. Wow. So I want to segue and use this to segue into the womb work because obviously this is also, oh, but before we even go into that, this is also one of your dreams that you want to start. You are able to help, not even start. You are able to help others live in communion with the land. Yes. Right? Yes. Can you tell us what the vision is and where you're headed so that we can support you and people that are like, I want to learn from this woman because guys who survived 21 days in the jungles of Mexico and nobody <laughs> has ever done it before. Like, I knock myself excellent. You know, I, I saw the, I were living through rainy season in Mexico. I'm in a very comfortable spot. I don't even, like, even that is a lot for me. <laughs> This is enough for me, like, this is, this is a lot. I can't imagine doing more. Mm -hmm. But people that want to learn from you, and I think the many people have this desire globally, how do you do that? How do they do it? How do they contact you to do that? What are some things that you are willing to teach and that they can expect? Okay, yes. So my overall grand vision is to have land and to start an intentional community, an eco-village that is centered around peoples of color. 
Um, maybe about 15 years ago when I studied permaculture, I found out about eco-villages. And since then I've known that's how I want to live, in communion with nature. And I've visited a few eco-villages, looked at them all over the world, and they're pro pro predominantly, if not all, dominated um, by people of non-melanated ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's nice just say like white dominated people. by white people. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong. I know that like a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of white people yeah. that follow this podcast, but you guys also know that we keep it very Yeah, very, and yeah. it's not nothing against white people, but <laughs> yeah. as people of color we need spaces that we can feel free mm -hmm. and show up and feel safe to express and be ourselves. Mm -hmm. So our history with colonization and the white mm -hmm. man it's very hard to go in a space where it's like 20 white people and one black person. You yeah. feel like an odd duck in there. Mm -hmm. So to have a place in nature, land, where people can come and feel free and learn and connect with their ancestors and nature, that's my goal. So I have a website called starseedlanding.org, which shares the vision of my eco-village. And the way you can help support that is to donate. Reparations is real. You want to help black people? Give us some money. <laughs> we have worked so long building the United States of America and so many other places. Uh, labor of brown and indigenous peoples, free labor to build up other races. Yeah. So give it back. Your ancestors have benefited from my ancestors' work. Give it back. These systems of oppression are still dominating and benefiting. Give back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And if people want to work with you one on one, they can also contact yeah, you. Yeah, they can contact me. My Instagram is Moonchild Healing. That undercross oh. under uh, <laughs> SM underscore SM. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So guys, you already know why Shadika and I connected, right? You already get it, right? I love the eco-village. But talking of ancestors, as we were talking, uh, as I'm getting to know Shanika, one of the things she shared, guys, like a mind-blowing story, okay? She has three kids, as we've mentioned, and she gave birth at home, natural birth, the first two times just her and her boyfriend, the last time just a midwife. Right? And the midwife's job was to just sit there and just observe. <laughs> observe the process. She didn't go to prenatal birthing classes. Nada. And when I tell you her children are alive and healthy and everything, I was like, you gotta come through. She was like, I'm a doula. And she does all this womb stuff. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Blown away. Because I've actually never heard the story. Mm. So how did you get into homework? How did you not get caught up in the all these things that women are taught about their wombs and you just always listened to your womb? So I want to say womb work is ancestral work. Straight up. <laughs> Straight up. What do you mean? Please <laughs> tell us. <laughs> I mean, the womb is the portal that brings souls through. Mm -hmm. So ancestors pass on and transition, and they come back. Yeah. So they come wow. back through their lineage many wow. times. So doing that work to heal yourself is healing your ancestors, because mm -hmm. we know about epigenetics, 
how trauma can be passed on mm. from your ancestors and to your children. Yep, we've spoken yeah. about epigenetics inheritance yeah. on here. So healing yourself mm. is healing the planet. You're healing backwards in time and forwards in time. Mm. Yeah, and it starts with your womb. That's your power center. Yeah. And the, the womb holds a lot of emotions and energy. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women have experienced trauma, sexual trauma, yeah. and they hold that energy in their womb. Yeah. And a part of them is, a big part of them is disconnected because of that trauma. Mm. It's like you experience trauma, a part of you leaves. It's called soul loss. Yes. And essentially a part of you, you becomes numb. Yeah. And you no longer breathe in and, and um, inhabit that space. Because mm -hmm. once you do, you're going to feel all that come back. Mm -hmm. And it's there for you to process. Yeah, when I was in Thailand, I learned about the work of soul retrieval. Yeah. Because of soul loss, right? Is that So guys, basically in essence is that when you experience a trauma, a part of you can be frozen in time. So with soul retrieval work, which I think of it as trauma work anyway, is that yes. you're going back to get pieces of your soul. Of your so soul. they say that like your soul is fractured into different spaces because of all the trauma. So for most of us, it's just like starting with the homework is a great process. It's a for great us. process, yeah. So did you always, um, did you, uh, did something bring you to the homework or were you just like, I've just always been like this, I've just always known, because when we were talking you were like, I've always had a great period. <laughs> I've always had like a great relationship with my womb. I was like, really? Yeah, <laughs> I, I have, really. <laughs> Even when I was younger, but I can pinpoint time periods in time where I gained more awareness and got into the work more. Uh, so what you don't know about me is that I've actually had four children. Wow. Four children. I've been a mother since I was 17. Wow. And what really awoke in me was my first child mm -hmm. because when she was three years old, she, she transitioned. She became an ancestor. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm through sorry. that process of losing a child, it really put me in touch with myself on a deeper level and spirit because it made me question this reality. You know, holding the body of my child lifeless, yeah. it made me question like, what was this thing that animated her? What gave her life? Wow. And since then, nothing has been the same because that's when I started to meditate. Wow. That's when I really started to tap in spiritually and then everything opened up to me. Yeah. yeah, I learned about, well, I had her when I was 17 in the hospital. Yes. And at that time, I didn't really have any programming about birth. Yeah. You know, I didn't, you know, I don't remember like being fearful of birth. Yes. Um, none of that. I didn't even take any classes on childbirth or anything. Wow. So I had a very neutral mind. Yeah. And that's what a lot of women need to get back to is Just a neutral mind about childbirth and then get to the positive side. Yeah. Because all the negative beliefs are conditioning you to believe that your body isn't safe. It's not safe to give birth. Whew. And especially with the rate of black women dying in hospitals, yeah. we, we feel it. We don't feel yeah. safe. Yeah, that's yeah. another thing. It's like you already don't feel safe from the conditioning, yeah. birth is all these things. They've just put a lot of stories around it, right? And then on top of that, you're going into a hostile environment. Yeah. That's how I look at it. When I look at all these stories of black women dying in childbirth at a faster rate than any other race, 
it just makes me feel like it doesn't feel like a safe, safe container, yeah. right? Yeah. It feels like it's a hostile environment. So without even us knowing it, right? It's why I was having a conversation with you about the vision that I have mm. for birthing with a black women and what I'm what I'm working towards creating in the next few years. Guys, I'm just keeping it hush-hush, but I have been speaking to people already on the vision of what I have, and Shanika is one of the people that I've uh, brought in on this. But it's it's coming from that fear that like we're going into spaces, and also, again, you have to give birth, prove your humanity, prove yeah. that you deserve to have health care. And then like also working with a system of birth that isn't indigenous to women globally oh, in yeah. how we birth, yeah. right? So it's so many things are not okay. And what that's doing is, as we hear more of these stories on a global level as black women, it's vicarious trauma. It affects us. Yeah. We carry it in our body because it's like, <gasps> this is a possibility. So that sense of unsafety is then carried throughout the pregnancy. Oh, yeah. And all trauma is is, not feeling safe. Somebody yeah. that someone doesn't have to hit you upside the head or abuse you. Yeah. The moment that you don't feel safe, yeah. you hold your breath. There's some energy there that is held, a belief yeah. that is held that I'm not safe. Yeah. And that in essence can affect the outcome. Yes. So a lot of women, you know, the, the hospital, the medical establishment, the way it began. Yeah was through experimentation on black women through slavery in the United States. I remember that. Um, yeah. In Boston, guys, so there's a park in Boston, in Massachusetts, they actually have a whole a statues of black women and the gynecological industry. Yeah. And on those statues, they have written plaques of that history, if yeah. I remember correctly, yeah. because I think it was those statues that then led me to Google and research this, yeah. and it, I remember just being traumatized learning yeah. the entire history. So, so it goes back to um, biases, racial biases that are unacknowledged, they don't even know that it's there. Yeah. So these doctors, these white male doctors, believe that black women don't feel pain mm -hmm. the same way that white women do. Yeah. So to them in their mind, it was okay to operate and experiment on black women without even drugs. Mm -hmm. And that, if you think, it, look at that history, and then the same mentality that is a little ingrained in the medical industry, there's that bias where, you know, they give black people less pain medicine, yes. less often, yes. because in their mind we don't feel pain the same way or we might be addicts. Mm -hmm. So all of those things that are believed about us exactly. and unacknowledged in the medical world, and then as a black woman to go into that space with doctors that don't believe you. Not only that, to go into that space with that ancestral knowledge yeah, in your in DNA. Your DNA. Yeah. Come on yeah. now. Yeah. Being under bright lights, you know, people that you don't know and have not, no relationship with are now in the most intimate part of your being. And that just yeah. is it. Like, as you said, people you have no relationship with, going into the most intimate part and into the most, most sacred, sacred part. part. And then you know? not only that, they make you feel like you, you're, you're not empowered. You're not a doctor. Yeah. You don't know what you're saying. So we have the power 
listen to us and do what we say. Yeah. And I've been to hospital births and I've been to home births. And in the hospital, a lot of my work was to advocate for women because they believe that you don't know about any of the medical protocols. Yeah. So a lot of what happens is we're manipulated through fear. Wow. Your baby might die. Your blood pressure is off, you know, off the roof. You need to do this now. But when you know that you have options and you know how your body works and that your body has an innate ability to give birth, wow. your, your whole outlook changes on birth and you feel empowered to do it at home with people that love you. Yes. So the best environment to have a baby is the same environment the way the baby was created. So how do a lot of us have intimate relations? We like the lights low. We like some nice music on, maybe some essential oils and incense. I didn't even think of that. Let's get it on. Right? Like there's music, yeah. there's incense, yeah. smell, smell, good food. Yeah. You feel safe yeah. and you can relax. Yeah. So birth is a physiological process. Yes. It happens naturally when you feel safe. Yeah. But when you go into environments where you don't feel safe, one, what happens is our hormonal cycle. Yeah. Um, adrenaline stops yes. birth. So the minute, yeah, the minute you feel unsafe, adrenaline and fear is going and it stops the natural process of birth. So you've got the doctors, you've got the nurses, you've got people telling you to push, push, push. You've got hush lights, you've got sterile environment. Yeah. Safety yeah. levels have dropped, dropped. completely. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. This makes a lot of sense. And this makes a lot of sense because I do do a lot of work with clients and myself around safety in the nervous system and regulating the nervous system. And I see when I feel completely unsafe. One of the things that I've been working with my womb coach on is that the realization that whenever I feel unsafe, I clench yes. my pelvic. My pelvic area clenches and then I have this desire to tighten my jaw. Yes. And the minute I tighten my jaw, I clench my yoni. Yes. And yes. I've been the difference is that I'm so hyper aware of it. So every time it happens, it annoys me, right? But most women are doing it really unconsciously. unconsciously. Right? Yes. So I feel like just my coach has been just like, bring attention to it. Don't try to change it. Just be aware and then just focus on breathing and noticing. And this can happen. I'll be walking and I'll be like, ooh, I feel myself wanting to change. What is going on? How am I feeling in my body? Okay, let me get home and do the work on this. But we don't even realize that. And I don't even notice how deeply tied the yoni yes. and the yoni muscles yes. were to safety until I started noticing that whenever I feel angry, unsafe, whatever, I do clench my jaw and instantly I feel my yoni muscles just go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and women do the same thing in birth. And if you look at the vocal cords and the vagina, yeah. it's so similar. And I've seen the correlation between women that feel unsafe to express their truth mm -hmm. and to speak up, how it relates to their yoni. That is, oh yeah. my gosh, that is so mind-blowing. Yeah. Because 
One of the things that I am noticing now is that the more I do this work, as I'm doing going deeper in my womb work practice and into my own, because my womb work, guys, has gone from just the womb to the actual yoni, the opening, the cervix, the canal. So that's where I've been the last few weeks, the last few months, actually. It's been amazing. Like, I'm taking my tantric practice even deeper and just really focused on there. And I feel like I'm focused on there most of the day now and just breathing and noticing the feedback that my yoni is giving me. So before it was feedback from my tummy, but now I've noticed that it's so powerful, the yoni is so powerful, that when I feel myself clenching, I'm like, oops, what's going on there, Van? Let's have a conversation, let's see. And um, one of the things that I've noticed is that the more I've been doing that, the more I've actually been telling my truth. I've been coming out and being like, actually, I believe in prioritizing women of color and safe spaces for women of color. I'm no longer sugarcoating my truth. I'm fully within it. So I didn't ever, I didn't know that that's what was happening. Yeah, because your pelvis, that's your bowl of power. The more you can open it. I was taught that it's a solar plexus. For women, I'll say it's your pelvis and your yoni region. Wow, that yeah. makes sense yeah. though. Yeah. And of course it would make sense that it's a solar, we're taught it's a solar plexus because it's a solar plexus for men. men. And we're in a solar <sighs> male dominated world. Right? So, yeah. yeah. So the work goes so deep and I've had so many experiences. Like for one, a lot of women don't orgasm. Mm -hmm. A lot of women don't orgasm. And that's yeah. one, they don't feel safe. Two, they're not present in their womb. Mm. And three, when you actually are able to open and unlock the womb, that's connected to your heart center. So if your heart is not open and you're not in love with yourself first and then the experience you're in, you will not orgasm. Say what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. This is amazing. So that goes to the science with the chakras. Mm. Actually, you know why I believe you? No one has to tell me about the heart center and um, anything to do with uh, the womb and the interconnection because I have seen this myself. Mm. As I've been doing the womb work and really going in, it's like when I feel a shift in my womb and in my yoni, I felt it instantly in my heart. It's almost been instantaneous. Yeah. It's like I'll be in the meditation, in the breath work, and something will shift and unlock in the womb. I'll feel an unlocking in the pelvis and the yoni, and it will instantly feel like mm. <sighs> an yeah. unlocking in the yeah. heart area. Yeah. So I'm like, I didn't, and I've been meaning to Google this, because I was like, <laughs> I have to kind of uh, Google the connection. But yeah. Turns out I didn't have to because no. I'd be having this conversation. The universe heard you. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. wow. We're spiritual and energetic beings, but yeah. because our awareness is usually outside of ourselves, yeah. we're not tuning in. Mm. Let me tell you, when I had my second daughter, the yeah. moment I got pregnant, I felt it. There was um, a, a, like an electric circuit in my ovary, and I felt it go up into my pineal gland. I felt it. I was like laying in bed. I was like, wow, I'm pregnant. That's what that was. Just a knowing and trusting. 
Because women, we have an innate knowing of everything when we're connected. A lot of times is that we question that knowing. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. That is amazing. So, um, how did, how was, what was the home birth like for you? What were some of the things, of the things that you did? Because you didn't do prenatal care, so you didn't have a doctor on call. Weren't you scared, like, that something would go wrong? How did you know what to do for the baby? And I know we spoke about this, that you talked to the ancestors, but, like, and you use herbs. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that process. So first, I spoke to my ancestors. It was a time where, like, I was really deep into meditation, yeah. and that was my life. It was after I, um, I lost my first daughter, yeah. and I would go to yoga every day. That was my therapy, yoga. Yeah. Yoga led to meditation. Yes. And in the process of meditating and journaling and inquiry, this came up about how I wanted to birth differently. Mm -hmm. My mother gave birth to me in Kingston, Jamaica, in mm -hmm. Jubilee Hospital, mm -hmm. and I was born 1986. Yeah. At that time, and from what I'm hearing today, it's still very similar. My mom was drugged. They call it like twilight. Mm -hmm. And she was um, tied to the bed. She gave birth to me and she was knocked out. So they took me away. They take the baby away. And God knows what they're doing. And they have your baby until you wake up. So for me, I knew I wanted to heal my lineage by giving birth and making a new possibility. Ooh. Knowing that, my ancestor's spirit came through and I knew that I wanted to have birth at home. Mm -hmm. And in that knowing and um, developing that confidence, I started to research about birth, mm -hmm. how birth happens, mm -hmm. you know, can you even birth outside of the hospital? Yeah. But what were we doing prior to the medical complex. Yeah. What were we doing? So birth in the hospital is a new phenomenon yes. the last hundred years yes. compared to thousands of years of having birth naturally. And people have said to me, but lots of women died, lots of children died. That's what they say, lots of women died and this and that. And yet, look at what's happening in hospitals in some parts of the world, in particular. Women are still US, dying. For black women yeah. in particular. Yeah. Right? So there's that. And also, I always say, like, then if hospitals are like just the last hundred years, the human race got to be like seven billion people or six or like at least five million people before a hundred years ago. Yeah. So we got to multiply yeah. and probably even more, probably six billion, right? Yeah. So our and body has an innate knowledge yeah. of how to give birth. Yeah. What happens is that as women, we come out of the feminine energy, which is the intuition and the yeah. knowing and a lot of us are dominated by the masculine world and masculine energy where everything is thought and logic. Yes. So obviously you're going to be like, oh, I need to worry about this and this and yes. this and this and this and this. Yes. Instead of trusting in the innate knowing. That your body knows, knows how what to, to do. And I'm not saying that hospitals don't have their place. They do. Yeah. For my family, it's when there is 
something severe, a broken yeah. leg or something. Yeah. Other than that, we don't go there because we know that it's a harsh environment. Yes. You know? Yeah. But you have women that might have different complications and they need mm -hmm. a you know, a medical facility that is more yeah. trained for emergencies. Yeah. But birth is not an emergency. Yeah. If you're having a normal birth, yes. you can birth at home or work right. in any environment that you choose and you feel safe. Yeah. I think people are worried about breached births, right? Mm -hmm. So they worried about that. Um, but were you not worried about any of that? No. No. Mm -hmm. And like, you told me something interesting, guys. So, um, Shanika says she loves the process of birth. I love it. Like, it's beautiful, <laughs> it's painless. Yeah. Like, it wasn't an issue for you. And I, uh, I've spoken to women who have really great relationships with their wombs, who didn't struggle, struggle with period pains, who didn't have any of that drama. And so many of them have said, yeah, like I just pushed once or twice and the baby came. Like I don't understand the big deal with with birth pains. And that has helped me realize that there is definitely a link between the relationship you have with your womb mm -hmm. and birthing. And birthing, so yeah. yeah. I want you to take us through the process of like what you said to me about a few days ago about how birth can be seamless by just working with your body. Yeah. So I said, I said to you the other day, day that the vagina is a muscle, yes. right? Yes. And when you're tense, yeah. you tighten up and you close mm -hmm. the muscle, and it makes it harder for to to birth. Yeah. So the more you start connecting with your body and working with the womb, you learn how to relax and drop into your feminine, mm. and it relates mm -hmm. to birth. Mm. It's all connected. Yeah. So the more that you're able to relax and drop into your feminine and feel safe and trust in her, yeah. the more that you're going to trust the ability of your body to give birth. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you said you just work with the contractions. Yeah. You just breathe. You breathe. You breathe. I, I, I love it because it's like meditation. Yeah. It's like a forced meditation. But it's meditation. <laughs> but the, when you understand and know how to surrender yes this is a feminine aspect is surrender yeah. i know i keep yeah. thinking of that conversation that we had about learning how to surrender. surrender and surrender requires trust yes so in this masculine oriented world which which we showed to control everything yes. because it's not a safe world and you can't trust anybody yeah how many times have you been told that be careful you can't trust trust and surrender are part of my world because Shanika and I met like she was going into a store I was going into the store we just said hello we both stopped started talking and we're like do you want to get breakfast like literally within three sentences we had moved to breakfast and like within two minutes I was at the back of a scooter and we were having breakfast and we were, having we were like the best of friends that we've known each other forever and we're just catching up <laughs> like there was yeah. no anything and we just both of us knew in that moment to pause and talk to each other in that moment it was there was no 
talked before, it was just a, would you like to do this? And I think like, I'm learning more and more through travel in my life. I think, because I've had years and years of training this off for surrender, to really surrender. But you also told me something very interesting. She was saying that for most women, why women tend to struggle with birthing, right? And why it's so scary is because we don't, like the more a woman can surrender, the more her pelvis will open up for birth. Do you want to talk to us about that? Like the more that if you, the more you can get into your feminine, the more it will open up. And it makes sense to me because the more you trust, mm -hmm. even in sex, the safer you feel as a woman, the more you trust, the more the yoni and the womb just opens up. Yeah. up. And, and when you don't have that, that's when clenches and yeah. things are so much more painful, etc., etc. And the body is so amazing. Mm -hmm. And when you understand the connection of your thoughts and your emotions and how they, um, how they impact you physiologically, mm -hmm. then you will start to shift how you do everything. Mm -hmm. Because the moment you're, you start having, um, you know, thoughts of worry and unsafety, then your body starts to release adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And then that creates a whole chain reaction on your body where you want to fight. Mm. Fight to run, or you yeah. freeze. Yeah. So it's the same in sex, in birth, and in any interaction that you have. Mm. So the more that you can come into your feminine and you feel safe to be and exist, mm. the more you produce something that called that's called oxytocin. Mm. So when mm. you have intimate relations, your body produces oxy oxytocin. Mm. This tells you that you're safe. This yeah. is the bonding and the love hormone. Yes. And it's the same, same with birth. Yes. In the birthing process, your body starts to produce oxytocin so that you can feel love and relax and surrender and yeah. connected to your baby and your partner. Oh. But that process is interrupted, you know, through all so many things that we've been talking about. Yeah. So the process is you know, you don't wait till you're, you're, you're in labor to learn about deep breathing and relaxation. Mm. You need that not only in birth, but in everyday life where you have to regulate yes. your nervous system and activate your nervous, mm. your um, vagus nerve in your nervous system yeah. through deep orgasmic breathing. Amen. Yeah. Like the power of being able to breathe all the way down through to the tummy, down to the womb, down to the yoni. Powerful, powerful, right? Yeah. Powerful, but I think that, and I think I find it fascinating that women are taught the breathing, but then you're taught it in a class for like twenty minutes and not as an everyday practice for yeah. for a human, let alone humans with wounds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, when, you, when you start to understand the science and how everything is connected, then you're like, okay, I need to do this. Yes, because the breath and the mind is connected. Mm, when you take yes. a deep breath, what happens? For me, my thoughts pause, yeah. and I'm like, breathing in. You yeah. feel nourished, you feel alive, yeah. you're aware and you're present. Yeah. We need more mindfulness and presence. Yeah. And that's how the breathing can connect you to your womb to start yeah. to release trauma and yeah. anything that's stored in your body, you can start to release it by awareness and breathing. Mm. So if you take nothing from this talk, 
Nothing at all. Nothing. <laughs> breathe. Breathe deep. Breathe. Look at a baby and see how they breathe when they're laying on their stomach and they're sleeping. Abdominal breathing in and out. And when I was a teenager, like I was try I kind of just picked this programming up of like my stomach's supposed to be nice and flat. So oh, I would probably not I would hold, hold it out. I would just hold, I, my stomach was already flat, but I would still hold it in yeah. and not fully breathe because I, I just had to look yeah. like this. For years I would do that too <laughs> because I was like, especially when you're wearing a tight dress. It's yeah. like, and then you're just here. Yeah. Uh, now I'm yeah. like, no, I don't want any complications. Because the thing is, when we do that, we're also training the body to be tense. tense yeah. So the mind automatically thinks something is happening. Because why else would you be tensing up like that? Yeah. The subconscious mind is thinking, the nervous system can only be tense when something is happening. And I think lots of us as women, we do that. Right? And I think even now, there's a lot of grown women that are they put on something and they just right, want the, the waist trainers. The waist trainers. Don't get me started on the waist trainers. <laughs> like when those people are so bad. Those are terrible yeah. because guys, like you're literally like clenching everything in. And people like really recommend the waist trainers. You exercise with them. You do everything, and they like it's so bad. Everything out. You know what it reminds me of? like the the 1700s where women wore corsets and they exactly. were taught to just be like hold exactly. it all in and exactly. think about that programming from that time to come in and wear and how women were with sex at that in time, that time yeah. right like yeah. they were wearing those corsets and all women were complaining just get a woman on get a man on let him do his business and let it go yeah precisely because while you've been training the pelvis the digestion system everything to just be tightened tight, so yeah. you were tight as hell, you know? Yeah. And that's and it's interesting because we still value that. You know, it's only within Tantra that I learned that actually being too tight as a woman is problematic. problematic yeah. You know, and I've had yeah. to I worked so much in Tantra to change that mm -hmm. so that like the pelvic muscles relax. Because most people yeah. tend to think even with Kegels, most people like Kegels, you want to tighten up. And I'm always like, it's better for you to do yoni eggs because yeah. you want to train the, the yoni to yeah. relax, relax, to tense, relax, tense, yeah. relax. You want to just train the muscle. You don't want to be tensing. But this and is what we've been told. And, and that's Tantra from a male perspective. <laughs> Kegels. Yeah, Kegels. Because it's in relation to the penis. You want to tight vagina so it can hold the penis. But what about the women's pleasure? Right. Forget about the penis. And even then, like a relaxed, the more relaxed the muscle, the more you can train it to tighten as and when. Yeah. But yeah. this is so crazy. But yeah, Kegels. And when I tell people about Kegels, they just look at me like I'm the craziest human on the planet. Like, obviously, you must do your Kegels. And I'm like... <laughs> Guys, yeah. like, can we have this? Can we have these conversations though? Because so much of what we've been taught about women and being in these bodies is from a male perspective. Male perspective yeah. So even the way that we relate to our yoni and our entire womb is from the male perspective. Male perspective yeah. 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 Wow. So Shanika, you have been an incredible guest. Thank you. So 
so much for this. I have like um, one more question, which is, what was your intention when you said yes? I mean, I didn't even give you an option saying yes to another <laughs> part. It wasn't really an option. <laughs> I mean, my intention, my intention is always just sharing love and light. And a lot of love and light comes through empowerment and information and knowing what is possible. Yeah. So all of my experiences have taught me so much. Yeah. And I'm always happy to tell my story because I know it will help empower and heal others. Mm. Yeah. And I know that you work with women as a doula and you also do womb work with them. You're trained in reflexology good eating, you also have knowledge of herbs, especially for women in terms of our wombs. How do people get hold of you? I mean, guys, as you can imagine, Shanika is a body of knowledge. She is a library almost, right? And this is what she's done. As you've heard her say, she's been advocating for women in spaces so that they can, at hospitals, so that they can talk about how they want to birth with their doctors. So she knows what what, right? So how do people get to work with you, especially online, especially around the womb stuff? This, you know, we talk a lot about womb stuff on here. Just contact me. Look up my website, um, starseelanding.org. My other website is called nakedwildandfree.com. Um, I created a shirt to celebrate my victory of Naked and Afraid. So I actually support me, get a shirt, they're beautiful, and my contact information is on there if you'd like to work with me about womb work, mindfulness, the breath, the body, all of it. Oh, I love it. So guys, um, hoping Shanika will be here for the retreat. I will be, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, so there. she's gonna come through for uh, she'll do massages, but I'm also hoping that she'll stay for the full coaching sessions and she'll be part of the stuff. So even if she goes away, she goes home, but in the morning she comes back and she eats with us and she's part of the retreat of the gathering with the women and she gets to partake. That would be incredible. I mean, you can only imagine how life-changing this is going to be for all of us. So, Shanika, we are they, the ones that are watching and are coming to the retreat, I'm sure they're already getting excited. They're going to be, or you're going to be part of the conversations, part of the trips and everything. So that's going to be awesome for us. But guys, if you're also listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm wondering how do I get started on healing ancestral mind trauma and I want to be part of regulating my nervous system, I want to do the work on regulating my nervous system, connecting with my ancestors, I do have the seven day tapping into ancestral money wisdom training, right? And it is free. So you just go to wealthy-money.com forward slash training. Yep. Really? I'm going to get that because I'm like... Money and ancestral work, we need that. We need Definitely, that. it's all free, guys. Yeah. So again, wealthy-money.com forward slash training. Go on there, sign up. And if you're listening, you're watching this on YouTube, please share the link with your friends. Share this podcast with your friends, right? I mean, you've heard this. You're hearing these conversations. So many women need to be having these conversations. Um, share and leave us a comment you guys are really really great at this on youtube so just keep i'll just all i'll say is just keep leaving the comments right 
greatly love them. Uh, share away if you are listening on iTunes, Podbean, and Spotify. Again, please share this podcast with family and friends. And yeah, shoot us an e- shoot me an email. Find Shanika on Instagram. Have a conversation. And tune into Naked and Afraid. I'm season fourteen, episode one. Uh, my episode was premiered this month uh, in February wow. in honor. I was the first episode released for the season, and it was in Black History Month. Oh, so I, I made Black Her Story. So check it out. Let me know. <laughs> All of it. And guys, she's heading to an undisclosed location to shoot another one. We send her all the love and light, and we will see her at the retreat when she gets back. This is epic. (laughs) So I hope you guys are inspired. Have a fantastic day further. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you find this podcast helpful and enlightening, please can you do me a favor and go leave the podcast a five-star review on iTunes or leave a comment on YouTube. And of course, share it with your family and friends. I would really appreciate it because it would help other money magicians who are looking to change their relationship with money find this podcast, which would really make my day. Also, as a bonus, if you're interested in changing your spending habits, I have a complimentary ebook for you. You can download it at wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Have a fantastic day further and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Money Magic Podcast.